So welcome everyone to this bonus episode that we're doing for Michael's teachings. And some of you might know about Michael teachings from the group, from some thread that I started maybe over a year ago about Michael teachings. And um, we're gearing up to have a guest on the podcast, Shepard Hoodwin, who's our channel that we've been working with. And we're going to do a podcast with him coming up soon. But we wanted to do a primer or kind of an FAQ or Michael Teachings for Dummies to answer all the basic kind of questions for people who've just received their Michael Teachings chart and don't know what the fuck's going on because it's, it seems so complicated. So we wanted to, me and Joseph are here. Joseph is the founder of the group. Uh, we've been working together for a couple of years now on Enneagram. So, and he's just as interested as I am in Michael's teachings. And so we got, we're getting together to go over all the basics for you guys and explain everything that needs to be explained. So Michael teachings, I posted the thread a couple of years ago to let people know about Michael's teachings that there's a, such a thing as archetypes. And I was really interested in figuring out why it is we're drawn to certain people. And that's what led me to the world of Michael teachings that there are archetypes and body types, which are two things that are you're going to see in your Michael teachings chart. And so people were posting and responding to the thread, like, oh, I want to know what my role is. What do I look like? And, you know, what body type I have? And that became a whole thing. And what I eventually learned is that all these roles, these archetypes actually line up to real personalities. Like your body types have real personalities. And there's so much more behind this spiritual system. And so um, got into Michael teachings as a spiritual system, which is kind of, um, looking at similar things that the Enneagram is looking at, such as uh, essence and personality. Um, how did you get into it, Joseph? I think the main thing that interested me about it and that would it interested all of us is one of the things that we're big, uh, big with at Enneagrammer is typing and physical manifestations of type, right? The argument against us is that you can't type somebody just by looking at them, which we mm -hmm. know to be completely the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so the interesting thing about this system is that, well, it's this entire spiritual system, um, but it's also within that spiritual system, there's this personality, very intricate personality system. And a lot of those things uh, are very clearly manifested physically um, through the role and essence twin and body type, as you were saying. Um, and that's what interested me the most, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone can sort of intuitively know that, uh, I think one of the examples I gave is that like in a movie, when the villain shows up on screen, you intuitively know who that person is. Like this is supposed sure. to be the bad guy. And so there, there's a intuitive feeling that people have of archetypes of, you know, people, you know, a face saying certain things that you come into this world with a certain archetype. And of course we know, you know, all our, our personality types within the Enneagram, which is describing a kind of like a personality structure and how that functions. But um, it, this is describing another layer that the Enneagram doesn't describe. Like they're on the level of essence, which we've talked about on, on the podcast before, that even your essence has a soul type. Like there's a certain thing that your essence is going for that has nothing to do with the personality itself. And so that's that's a it's it's a pretty cool level of insight into um, what it means to be like a human being. You know, some, you know, some of us have taken a lot from astrology and this is all, I feel like another adjacent uh, spirituality layer that you can really get a lot from. Yeah. I find this really interesting when I realized that, uh, for example, your, your role is, is 
as you said, your essence. Um, and I guess it's, there are a lot of, uh, it seems to be that there are a lot of social sexual people in the Michael teachings, because I think this idea that like we all are these kinds of characters um, innately is really appealing to that stacking. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in Michael teachings or you've already ordered a Michael teachings chart, by the way, uh, Shepard Hoodman is the channel that we work with and we're, I'm going to link his information um, in the show description. And also Joseph is going to eventually make a post about this in the group. So first of all, like what is Michael teachings? What the hell is this stuff? Yeah. To zoom out, this is operating, this system is operating on the belief that that there's a, a you that's beyond this meat sack of a body that you have and this existence on this physical plane that um, there is a soul world, non-physical plane of existence where you existed before you were born and where you will exist after you die. And so Michael is a collection of souls on a plane beyond the physical one that people make contact with and had a collection of insights and spiritual teachings, which end up becoming Michael teachings. And so that brings us to the, the question of what the hell is channeling? Channeling is any contact that someone can make with some consciousness that's not here on a physical plane. So channeling is like on a level of being able to, to get stuff or download information from a spiritual being on another plane. And essentially, this this Michael, which is the name for this collection of souls, originally spoke through a person, and slowly, this entire and complex system was channeled through that person, and then subsequent channels followed and continue to channel this entity of souls. Yeah, and just just to sort of like uh, give a frame of reference for the level of weirdness that we're already dealing with. The Enneagram was channeled by Chazo. I don't know a lot of people don't know this, but channeling is not, is not, some, is not as far-fetched as it seems once you actually look into how often it shows up in spirituality circles and, and some of the systems that we take for granted, including the Enneagram, has some basis in channeling. So when a Michael teachings channel, like Shepard, what they're doing, you give them your information and they're accessing or getting in contact with Michael, which is this collection of souls, and they're downloading your information. Now, of course, the first thought you have is like, how do I know this is accurate? Yeah, this is, you know, the skepticism of me comes in. And it's like, I don't know what's going on here, but how do I know this isn't bullshit? And um, they're using some other means to get this information. I got my first chart channeled five years ago, and it's basically blown my mind kind of like astrology where I was like, I don't know how this works, but something's happening here. I mean, they're getting information about me that's spot on. And my chart is, you know, is accurate. And now, now that I've had time to actually look over all the parts of it. So, um, you know, if you, if you can, if you can suspend disbelief for astrology, you can suspend disbelief <laughs> for Michael's teachings. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> And I think at the end of the day, with any of these systems, even the Enneagram, that's exactly what you have to do. And it's not to say that you, and this is coming from a six fixer who questions everything, but um, it's just about like, if you, sometimes if you want to get information, you have to just go with it. If you're asking questions every second of the way, you're not going to be able to immerse yourself in it to see if there's anything there in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we've done. 
And yeah, like Emeka said, like our charts, the more charts we keep getting back, we're just like, okay, there's definitely something here. I don't know how it's happening. I don't know if I care. I just know that there's something. Yeah. So a lot of you are interested in this system and all I recommend is just dive in. And this is sort of what we're doing to help those of you who are interested to sort of, you know, get up to speed very quickly. There's just to get through the basics. I know if you're looking at a chart or someone else's chart, it looks very complicated and we just want to focus on the parts that are important and give the definitions and rapid fire format so that um, you can go through and pretty much understand what the hell is going on with Michael teaches very quickly. So by the way, uh, just before, because we're going to talk about the roles um, and overleaves, which we'll talk about those later, but there are seven roles. Um, we're going to talk about body types, all that stuff. But um, on the Enneagram or Pinterest, um, I have painstakingly spent hours categorizing yes. um, <laughs> all, all of the, the, there's a large, just like we have a large celebrity typing list. Um, uh, Shepherd Hoodwin has compiled a list of all of the different channeled celebrities, um, whatever has been channeled about them from different people. Um, so I've com- put them into their roles, uh, boards for their roles and boards for their body types. Um, there are a lot of other elements that I didn't organize into the boards. The reason I did these is because these are the things that you can really, that that have a physical manifestation. So yes. if you're looking at the artisan board and, and you always have, again, a secondary, tertiary and fourth influence, um, but I organize them into doubles. So if you're, for example, an artisan and you have like a really strong stage secondary influence and you look at that board, you're going to start to see, just like with, if you're looking at a group of eights, you're going to start to see some energetic uh, similarity uh, in different areas, especially the eyes. So mm-hmm. definitely go look at our Pinterest. Yeah. If you get you, if you order a chart and, you, and um, you know, that's probably the two easiest things to check out is to look at your role and to look at what your secondary role influence is and also to look at your body type and the secondary body type and then you can sort of go to the boards that joseph have has compiled and you can sort of compare yourself to other people who have those similar combinations and it's really cool to just to see like holy shit you know let's just say you got artisan sage you can go to the artisan sage board and you can sort of see an energetic similarity in the in the way that the eyes and the shape and the faces look uh and of course that also applies to the body type so if you have those two things together you know your your first and second influence with your role with this first and second body type you pretty much have an archetype of what you look like like not only the energy but the body is sort of like the container uh for that energy Okay. All Should right. Should we do the roles? Yeah. The first thing to look at when you get your chart is the role. So what the hell is the role? The role is what you are in essence. It's the archetype of your soul. And so, you know, we talk about personality. We talk about essence and the difference between those things. So essence is what you are before you were born, after you die. It's part of you that's, that always is. And within the Michael teaching system, that there are seven different soul types. And you can kind of look at it as an archetype of the soul. So the role is the part of you that can shine. Like when you shine or these moments where you, you're present to that soul energy, the role is sort of like this overarching theme for what your essence um, feels like it's here to do. But it's not necessarily something that's going to show up in uh, the way that you express yourself on a day-to-day basis. And there's another aspect of your chart that deals more on that. So people may not notice, you may not even be that aware of the way your role manifests uh, because it's kind of like a, 
uh, zooming out quality, whereas um, the cadence position, which we're going to get to, is much more direct and much mm-hmm. more of a something that people are going to be. You're going to be much more conscious of your casting, which is the cadence position here on the chart. In a way, there are other elements of the chart, like the overleaves, which we're going to get to, that maybe just because they're 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 more like on the surface, they're more there, they're in your consciousness. Whereas these roles, I like to think of them. Let me just actually, I'll just say them as server, priest, artisan, sage, warrior, king, and scholar. So just those words themselves to me are the reason I kind of say that it's kind of a social sexual friendly system is because they're kind of like these necessary, I don't know, role is really the only word I can think of. These necessarily roles, the necessary roles that people have to have when they are in groups or in societies and, and people are always in groups. Yes. Um, so there has to be somebody who has some kind of biological imperative to provide service, or uh-huh. there needs to be that scholar, that person whose biological imperative is to watch and collect data. Maybe not necessarily do that much with it, but collect. And the warrior, the artisan. So these were, you know, priest. If you're a priest, it has, really has nothing to do with, um, you know, standing on a pulpit. It just has to do with we need those people who are going to stand and inspire a crowd and like get people riled up and. Um, feeling good about themselves and so these are these kind of like they're not things that you're necessarily gonna you're not like walking to work and being like oh like i'm such a server or something like that (laughs) um there are these things that put you in like a flow state like if you're doing your role you're almost not realizing that you're doing it and you're in this kind of natural flow state at least that's how i see it yeah yeah and it's better to look at them at least for me for some people this might work better to look at things structurally and so if you look at the chart if you've got a chart someone else's chart or maybe your own the way things are organized it's they're organized in columns and so there's seven roles and each of them is in a column and um like joseph just said like the priest is an inspiration role so there's four different uh subsections of the role so there's uh something called inspiration roles, expression roles, action roles, and then there's one assimilation role. So just like he said, like when you're looking at the whole of the human experience, um, you have certain roles that are focused on getting things done. You know, like the warrior and the king are about external action. And then you have the two roles that are about expression, like the sage and the artisan are about expressing what's internal inside. And then inspiration roles are about uh inspiration it's it's about the inner world um and so within those two this those four categories well the three categories inspiration expression and action there is a contracted role and there's an expanded role so the name for the contracted is the it's called ordinal so for example in inspirational you have server and priest and the server is about providing service to like, and there's really not, you don't really need much to provide service to someone else, like just to help someone out and to make things better for them. It's a very one-to-one, very personal kind of contact. Whereas the priest is inspiring on a larger scale, which is uh, gonna, wants to expand to a larger uh, audience. And um, so the priest role requires inspiration on a much larger scale than the service role. So, you know, so one's contracted and one-to-one and more personal, and the other one's a little bit more expanded and requires more people. And so that you can look at with the ordinal versus cardinal. You can see that with the different sections of the role. So that right there can probably help some people to simplify what's going on with the chart here a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and each role, so essentially, like you said, each role is either inspiration, expression, action, or assimilation, and either ordinal, cardinal, or neutral, right? Scholar is neutral and assimilation, so it's kind of on its own. What does that mean, assimilation? Assimilation is, um, again, like that taking in data. It's like it doesn't have an agenda or a role in itself. Its role is like to collect and yes. observe and um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, archive. It's an archive, yes. uh, archiving role. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That should give you, give, you know, whoever's looking at the kind of basics on what the role is. And so each, from a visual standpoint, each of these roles have a, a sort of energy and appearance. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that you can see if you go through the Pinterest boards, like, you know, the priest, like the cardinal roles, for example, look much more uh, intense energy like the king the priest and the sage have much more energy uh and uh penetration coming from the eyes and the server and the artisan uh warrior roles are much more softer in energy and there's a progression starting with the server role going to artisan going to warrior and then scholars in the middle and then sage mm -hmm. priest and king what i just named is a progression from one to seven so uh in terms of how contracted versus how expanded the energy is and so when you meet someone who has a pretty soft energy there's a good chance that they have one of these uh ordinal roles for example i have for an eight very soft energy and um which doesn't really have doesn't have anything to do with my enneagram type this this is an insight this is sort of sort of independent of mm -hmm. enneagram stuff completely uh, independent yeah in terms of the energy so people who meet me Notice that I have pretty soft energy, uh, and that's that's because my my archetype, my soul archetype and role is um, server with the essence twin of scholar, which is right there is like nothing <laughs> energetically, uh, and <laughs> so there's not a lot of uh, <laughs> not a lot of like uh, um, forceful energy coming from uh, my my role archetypes and all that stuff. Anyway, so let's moving on moving on to essence twin. Uh, I don't know Hold on, I want to say, sorry, just right before I move on, there's only one thing. Um, there, each role, the one, okay, I guess one thing that gets criticized about the Enneagram, which, I mean, it's a bunch of shit, but um, is that it's too negative, right? Because really the Enneagram type is like a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. And so every Enneagram type has its positive points, but it's like focusing on them is kind of not the point. Right. Whereas uh, this, every single role and overleaf in this system has a positive and negative pole. So essentially yes. each of them, are neutral and it really depends on how you express the role yes. um so again to get into what of all those roles are we don't have time on this podcast but just to know that there isn't it's not this kind of like when you learn your enneagram type you got to be willing to kind of like really look at some deep shit that you didn't necessarily want to look at that's not really the case but i mean this not to say that it doesn't have depth but there there is a positive and negative expression which i think is also cool yeah, that's a very that's a really good point. At that, uh, not to take any positive or negative conclusion from anything that you get on your chart. Like everything on the chart is has a positive and negative pole. Essence, essence twin. twin. So if you think of your essence twin as um, uh, you have your your role, whatever it may be, server priest, um, and your essence twin is another soul that you have, or another essence that you have paired up with. And that essence is either on this plane incarnate or they're not on this plane discarnate. And the idea is if, that are, if they are discarnate, if you have this essence twin that is discarnate, that the essence of that essence twin is somehow manifesting in you as well. So, um, Mecca, you know what? Yours is scholar. 
Yeah. You said, yeah. So you have your server energy, but then you have a discarnate scholar soul um, that, and, and so that means you have scholar qualities and it manifests as well. Um, and if the essence twin is incarnate, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know them or that you're going to have some kind of connection on this physical plane because it's actually a discarnate connection that you have. Yeah. When you come onto this plane of earth as a physical entity or, or just you as an essence soul, there are certain soul agreements that we make in our journey throughout, I guess, existing a certain people that you are certain other essence that essences that you've paired up with sort of like, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone for a long time and people start to borrow qualities from each other and you start right. to, you know, start to start to look like your partner and things like that. So there's certain lifetimes that you've had with this partner uh, and which is your essence twin. And if they, sometimes you guys are together on earth at the same time and other times they are still on the astral plane while you're here on earth. Um, and so there's a level of bleed through where this person has been influencing you. Um, you're, you know, the way that your soul expresses itself. And so um, you have your, you know, you let's say I'm a server role, but I have a scholar essence twin, someone who I've been doing these lifetimes with. And that person, that essence twin is currently in the astral plane. They're not here on earth with me, which amplifies the influence that you know they have on me so it's just kind of like a secondary influence so if your uh, essence twin if it says it's discarnate that means that they're on our astral plane and that makes the, your essence twin your secondary influence but okay. if it says on your chart that your um, essence twin is incarnate and uh, which means then your cadence position which is your casting then becomes a strong uh, your secondary influence yeah which I guess we should get to now. Yeah. So I, I like to call it casting, but on the chart, it's, you know, people also refer to it as cadence position. But basically, when you come to Earth, uh, you show up in groups of seven uh, and then more groups of seven and more groups of seven. So it's like, you know, when you decide that you want to be born because everything is a choice. And even, you know, with astrology, like the time that you're born is a choice, uh, you know, which, which determines your sign and all these other things, uh, where on planet earth that you're born, what parents. And so, uh, imagining like your soul and, you know, you're swimming through this plane of existence and trying to figure out how you're going to enter the physical plane. You have to choose, like, let's say there's a, as a server, there's a group of seven servers, uh, like we're playing we're in a play and, and, each of us is playing a role for our group of servers. And so in our group of servers, I'm playing the role of the sage. And so I'm the communicator. I'm the performer. I'm, I'm the one that's bringing the insights for my group of servers. And so even though I'm a server, I'm expressing my role in this sage kind of way. So you're probably more conscious of your cadence position than you are of your role because it's the most immediate it's the direction that you're directing your essence role. And so this is, this is pretty important. The casting is a very, very important um, aspect of the chart because it's, it's, it's showing how you navigate life and how you're going to be um, yeah. approaching your, all your personality dynamics and the way that you're going to be doing it. Um, and so the cadence position, the first number, it's going to give you a number with the number 
corresponding to the role. And so, for example, when I said one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, starting with server, artisan, warrior, scholar, sage, priest, and king, um, number five is sage. And so depending on the number you get for the cadence position, that's describing what casting you are, which is describing the direction and how you express your essence role energy. Yeah, it's essentially like this idea that no matter what situation you're in, these seven roles will always just happen because they're like these essential things that happen. So if everybody in the room is a server, you're still going to need somebody to be the scholar. So it's Mm -hmm. like somebody has to volunteer, except in the system, it's not a volunteer. You're kind of like in a set order that corresponds to numbers. Yeah. And specifically with the the cadence position, it's kind of already built into you, even though it's like we're, we're kind of framing it in terms of a choice. I guess the way to put it is that you have a certain position in your group of souls. It's kind of like a, a building where you're in a room, you know, with six other people on a floor that uh, has a role for the building and the building has a role for the whole street. And so you can kind of look at yeah. a soul as playing a part in, you know, like a whole neighborhood of souls, but you're in a room, but everyone has a, a part to play. And, and so the cadence position is sort of showing the nested quality. Like, let's say your first casting position is the role that you're playing for your room. And then the cadence is what the role that your room is playing. And the greater cadence is the role that you're, uh, floor is playing and it keeps going on and on but for the sake of understanding uh getting insights from your chart you only need to pay attention to your first casting position and your second and your like your uh cadence position and your cadence that's it yeah okay so to sum up um this is the the parts of you that are essence that don't change from lifetime to lifetime are your role uh your essence twin and your casting and there are seven roles um, inspiration, expression, action, and assimilation, three poles, ordinal, neutral, and cardinal. Um, and you have one main role, you have an essence twin, that's a secondary influence. Uh, and then you have a casting that's a third influence, unless your essence twin is incarnate, and then your casting will probably be a secondary and third influence and so on. So essentially, um, the definitions of these things might be confusing, but if you're just starting out, just think of it as like, kind of like a tri-type. You have one thing, and then you have a secondary thing and a third thing. Although in this case, like they can technically all be the same. Like you could be a triple server right. um, and you'd just be really service oriented. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if you were just looking at this part of the chart, when you get your chart back, you can sort of see what direction, uh, you know, what kind of quality your life, you assume that life is about. And so Nancy uh, got her chart back and she's an artisan role, but she's got all these action-oriented secondaries, um, king, essence twin, warrior casting, another secondary king casting. So her life is about doing. And if anyone knows her, anything about her as a three, that's very much indicative of the way that she lives her life. And so you can get a lot from this part of the chart in terms of getting a snapshot as to the kinds of um, qualities or where, if you're weighted on expression or action, it can sort of give you a snapshot of the archetype of your life path. Yeah. And if you happen to have um, like a max, like if, you, if you have your whole charts full of expression or your whole charts full of action or your chart, like my chart is surprisingly very cardinal. 
um, and yours was surprisingly fairly ordinal. So that's also, it's kind of like looking at similar to astrology where you're like, okay, how much fire do I have or how much yes. earth do I have? You can also kind of look at it that way. Yes. Anyway, uh, we want to focus on the important stuff. And so, uh, or at least the stuff that's just important to get started. So the next section where you see the cadre, entity, task companions, male, female, energy, frequency, and previous cycles, we're going to skip that. And we're going to go straight to overleaps because for the sake of kind of getting into Michael teachings, this is the stuff that you need to focus on and figure out first. Um, you will, if you're inevitably interested in the stuff that I just listed, there is uh, a reference PDF that Shepard sends out with his charts, but you can look up what those things mean. But for the sake of understanding the system, we need to focus on, uh, what we just talked about and the overleaf section. Okay. Goal, attitude, and mode are the basics of the personality. So it's like you come into the world as an essence, you choose personality and these personality dynamics are, are probably the, the part that you can sort of start to look at in parallel as to Enneagram stuff, like Enneagram type and try type. It's not the same thing, but it, it's talking about the same thing in a very different way. It's a, it's a different way to look at personality. So the goal is the motivator in terms of what, how we take action into the world. It's a quality that motivates your actions. And so for me, for example, I have the goal of discrimination. And uh, the goal of discrimination is about making distinctions, is about deciphering what's good and what's not, and trying to figure out what has quality. And so the goal is looking for saying that, you know, I, I want this kind of experience from my actions. And so it's really important to sort of see how the goal is shaping the actions that you take. Yeah. Um, the goal is the most important overleaf, um, but may not be the thing that you notice because it's uh, kind of an inner motivation. Yes. Um, maybe we should just like list them just quickly. Like, okay. Reevaluation, growth, discrimination, acceptance, submission, dominance, and flow. And each one of these corresponds to either inspiration, expression, action, assimilation, and ordinal, neutral, or cardinal. Mm -hmm. If you look at the chart, there's a column that's happening. So with artisan, uh, you can see all the natural overleaves for that role. So discrimination is the natural goal for the artisan. And then once we go to attitude and mode, you can see that there's corresponding uh, personality overleaves for artisan. So you might be a server role who has personality dynamics of artisan. So it can kind of give context to in what direction is waiting. Like uh, Joseph mentioned before, like an astrology chart, you can see how, um, you know, if like you've got a lot of signs in Scorpio, even though you're an Aquarius, it's telling you like, yeah, I mean, you're Aquarius, but you're, you're the way that it's expressed in these other ways is heavily weighted to another sign. And so you can look at your chart and kind of see where, in what direction that you're heavily weighted. Okay. Attitude. Attitudes. Yeah. Attitudes pretty fucking important as well, because it's um, kind of like the head center. It's how we're framing reality. And so you can look at goal is the actions you take and attitude is is how you interpret what's happening um it's sort of like a, a philosophy a yeah a lens like a philosophy on life and so for example i have the attitude i mean there's stoic spiritualist skeptic realist cynic um idealist, idealist and prag pragmatist and so i have the attitude of skeptic and so there's a way that i'm always picking at things um, and investigating things and 
trying to see kick the tires and see what things are made of. Um, and so I think the attitude is a really big deal because it, and it can inform sort of the conflicts that we have in the way that people view things that may be in the Enneagram. We look at the different head fixes and, and the way they might uh, be viewing reality. This is a much more nuanced way of looking at different framings on reality and different philosophies that one a person might have on what's happening. Okay. Mode. Mode is the how. It's the style, the personality style of how we go about doing things. And there's seven of them, of course. Reserve, passion, caution, power, perseverance, aggression, and observation. So you can be like, let's say you're an artisan in power mode which is an expressive mode, which really wants to step into a, a place of confidence in expressing themselves. And so power mode can really describe uh, a personality style. You know, like, let's say if you're using the analogy of the car, the mode is how you drive your driving style. Now, some people, like, let's say, you know, you, this driving analogy is about your life. Um, and so the mode is like your style of driving. And uh, the attitude is, you know, the framing or the map of uh, that you're overlaying on what's happening on the road. And maybe the goal is where you're going. So the mode is your driving style. It's your personality style. And so let's say you have, maybe you might have caution mode, which is like very deliberate in the way uh, that you're relating to other people. I, I guess this is a very important distinction for mode. It's the way that not only we do things, but we relate to others, which plays itself out um, in relationships. The mode is how I live my life and how I relate to other people. The obstacle. Okay, chief obstacle is pretty important. There are other systems that also talk about chief obstacle, and you know, it's also named the chief feature, uh, which is the sort of trigger for personality. That you know, because we talked about how personality has positive and negative poles in this system. And the chief feature is the thing that triggers you. Uh, it's the fear that we're trying to protect ourselves from. So when you get triggered, uh, it's going to be your chief feature. And so there's seven of them, self-deprecation, arrogance, self-destruction, greed, martyrdom, impatience, and stubbornness. And uh, you can see how when you're triggered, it's going to be your chief feature. It's going to be like there's a certain fear that we're protecting ourselves from. And so... Um, mine is stubbornness and stubbornness is the trying to protect ourselves from change. And in this case is change that originates from outside of oneself. And so there's a level, certain level, at least it validates for me in terms of the level of self-containment. I'm very, I'm very um, sensitive to change that originating outside of myself or arrogance, which is like, you know, fear of ridicule. And uh, which kind of seems counterintuitive for arrogance because, uh, you know, there's a certain level of distance that one uh, is trying to create in protecting themselves from being judged. But arrogance also has, you know, I'm, I'm going to judge other people before they can judge me. And so the chief obstacle is is pretty important in terms of looking at the, the, the way that we try to protect ourselves, uh, what fears that we're trying to protect ourselves from. So, okay, body type. There's a few other things on this chart that we're not going to go over, but we just want to, because I mean, we're going to do a podcast, several podcasts on Michael teachings. And so we're going to be talking about this, but this is just sort of the, to get y'all interested and sort of define some things on the chart. But so body type is a big deal uh, in terms of the visual aspect of it. It's genetic, 
Uh, so it's very interesting and easy to look at. And just like the other ones, there's seven body types and corresponding uh, to the different roles, lunar, Saturnian, jovial, mercurial, Venusian, martial, and solar. And the interesting thing about body types is that each of these body types have certain characteristics and personality types. And so, for example, the martial body type is action-oriented and lean and you know there's a certain physiological makeup that each one has like you know like they put on weight in certain areas they're governed by certain glands um like the adrenal glands are, are really um, emphasized in the martial body type you know certain body, body types are, are lazier uh or more explosive or um you know so these are really important in terms of if you have a certain body type that it might add certain qualities to you that you might not know where they're coming from. For example, if you're a big planner and strategizer, you might have a Saturnine body type, which is generally has some ability to strategize and look and to stand back and, and things like that. Uh, but aside from that, they, they appear a certain way. And so the, the combination of your role and the second, your, you know, secondary influence and your body type is that's just the way you look. So when we talk about attraction, you know, it's pretty big deal in terms of what you're attracted to is what body type you find attractive and, and also, you know, the, the role archetypes. Mm -hmm. And these body types, like if you're into astrology at all, with the exception of maybe solar, they pretty much all correspond to the archetype of the planet. Like Marshall mm -hmm. definitely corresponds to Mars and yep. uh, Venusian and Mercurial. Uh, Mercurial is like a really obvious one because I think that's possibly a more common body type that a lot of people have. But it definitely corresponds to like the Mercury, Gemini sort of uh, archetype and so on. Okay, I'm just going to quickly hit center. <laughs> center in Michael Teachings is not the same thing as in the Enneagram. For those of you that are wondering... Uh, so it's a much more complicated topic that we're not going to get into. Briefly, it's here, it's just describing how you take an input and how you express it. And that's like all you need, how you process it. And that's that's basically all you need to know. Soul age is also just talking about a, a certain soul perspective that one has. Uh, basically, when your soul reincarnated and gone through several life, lifetimes, you go through several soul stages and you know just like someone who's going through teenagehood and adulthood and and eventually old age at each stage of your life you have different perspectives but we're going to get into this at a future podcast there's a lot of information here but i just want to give kind of a recap of the elements that we've discussed and um what you're going to expect when you see your chart um pretty much for the most part in order of i think how important it is to you um, so the first thing is your role. So this is something that your essence is. It's something that manifests with you on this plane, but it is something that doesn't change from lifetime to lifetime. In this system, we do have multiple lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, so in this lifetime, you have a main role. Um, there are seven roles, server, artist, and warrior, priest, sage, king, and scholar. And each of those roles corresponds to an axis of either inspiration, expression, action, or assimilation. And each of those things, with the exception of assimilation, can be done in two ways, either ordinally or cardinally, right? Ordinal being, um, to really boil it down, kind of a more of a one-to-one -one on the ground thing, and cardinal being more of an expansion. And just to give one quick example of how that might play out, um, warrior versus king, to me, is the perfect example, without even needing to explain what those two things are, 
the warrior is the person who's fighting their ordinal action, and the king is the person who is directing their cardinal action. So those are the roles. Um, you have secondary and third and fourth influences of roles. Um, your secondary role uh, is often your essence twin. Um, without getting into what that is, it's essentially like almost a twin essence that can be the same or different role as you that you've in a way blended with. So if your main role is artisan, you could have an essence twin of priest. And so you will have a lot of priest-like quali qualities, even though your core essence and the thing that puts you in a flow state is being an artisan. Um, you also have a casting position. The idea of casting or cadence position is that um, a group of people who are, say, the same, in, in any situation, the idea or the concept of those seven roles will just kind of flower into existence. So if there's a room with all servers, at some point, not everybody can just be a server. So one of the servers is going to have to stand up and say, I'll be the priest right now. I'll be the uh, cardinal inspiration role in this room. Um, but it's not a volunteer. Your casting is part of your essence. So again, your, your casting position, and you have three influences, the first two being the most important. Those are sort of third and fourth influences of your roles. Again, they can be the same as your role or different. Uh, same with the essence twin, same or different. But they are also um, parts of you that you will experience in addition to your main role. So there are different other elements of essence, things that don't change that we're not going to talk about but things that you choose lifetime per lifetime. Okay, so if you're, say, a scholar role, you're never going to not be a scholar role. You're always going to be lifetime after lifetime. But you, the things that you may choose to change are overleaves, and that includes uh, the things that we discussed, uh, goal, attitude, modes, uh, chief obstacle, your body type, uh, and your centering. Um, so those are all things that you choose before this lifetime. Um, so your goal is essentially the thing that motivates you, right? Your attitude is your lens. Your mode is the way that you go about doing things. Um, and your chief obstacle is, in a way, it's almost like your your core fear in the Enneagram, although I, there's absolutely no correlation between the two. But uh -huh. it's some kind of thing. It's like your Achilles heel. It's the thing that um, you react to the most. Um, your centering, you have one, or you have, there's three centers. Um, and you're going to have one primary center and one secondary center. They're intellectual, emotional. Oh, sorry, there's four centers. Intellectual, emotional, physical, and moving. So you're going to have one and a second one. It could be the same. Um, but those are going to be ways that you process information. And they're not the same as the Gurdjieff Enneagram centers. Uh -huh. uh, and your body types, we have those seven planetary body types. And again, all of these correspond to those axes of inspiration, expression, action, assimilation, etc. And you're going to be born with usually... Uh, one main body type and a secondary influence. Um, and those are things that manifest physically as well as your role. The overleaves don't manifest uh, physically as much, but they can in some way if you're paying attention. Okay. Yeah. Back again, like, why do we care about Michael teaching so much? It's, you know, it's a spiritual system that, I mean, we care about the Enneagram because it, it looks at personality and gives us a structure for personality, but also more than that, it's the Enneagram is not only describing personality but you know there's essential qualities to it too and so like there's a you that's that's beyond the personality and the michael teachings takes that a step further like looking at the difference between a soul essence and personality mm -hmm. and even like the container like your body has a type and like these are all choices that were made you know before you came onto this earth and it just adds another 
adjacent layer, a different way of looking at these things that has added a lot for me in terms of, um, in a ways that's not even related to the Enneagram. Like, you know, someone can be an eight or a nine or a six, but having this archetype, maybe they're an artist and it's like, oh, this describes why you're, you've chosen this path in life, you know, this creative path in life, or maybe an artisan who's involved in just a regular job, but there, there's a certain impulse that they have to, you know, mess around with structure and form. And so uh, this is just a, a very, really cool adjacent layer to all this stuff that we're all interested in, which is sort of understanding what makes us all tick. Definitely. And and we are interested in it too. Of course, we we all really are, have always been interested in attraction. So it's not just body type, but we've been kind of getting charts of of people that we've uh, been in relationships with and just to see if there's any kind of correlation with like, you know, are we just attracted to Kings or et cetera. And we're finding some interesting um, correlations as well. So, because these are things that manifest physically um, and we in a way can sense them without knowing what we're sensing. We just like what you said about the casting director, if you watch like any really, really good movie or show and you do the archetype of each character, they are essentially playing either their core role or something that's really prominent in their chart. They just are. Um, and we can sense that too when we're looking for a mate or for friends. Um, so this is definitely a layer that Enneagram doesn't cover. Um, it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's really interesting. So if you find this interesting and you want to get your chart, um, we're going to link to Shepard. His name is Shepard Hoodwin. He's got a website, shepardhoodwin.com forward slash order. You can order your charts from him. It's 75 bucks. Buy his book. Yeah, and, and yeah, buy sorry. his book. You know, if you want to learn, learn much more in detail and much better explain than we tried to do in this little 45 minute thing. Um, but there's a lot here and, you know, we're going to focus in on this in some podcasts in the future. And if you want to play along with us, then um, this hopefully this was helpful. Okay, great. All right. Okay, cool. Okay, talk to you later. Okay, okay bye. All right, bye.